Hey everybody, welcome back to the Very Basics Podcast. Um, if you are new here, my name is Paul. I am a PhD student at Yale University. Um, and on this podcast, I sit quite frequently with friends, with people in my world, and we chit-chat about you know anything from faith, the Bible, society, and everything else in between. This morning, uh, beginning a new series on how to read difficult texts in the Bible. Um, and we'll be taking Numbers chapter 5 as our first case study. There will be other passages in the Bible that are difficult to read, and I will be talking about that in other episodes. But in this particular episode, we'll be looking at Numbers chapter 5. Um, and I have my great friend, Cleo, uh, who is studying with me here at Yale University. Um, and she is actually on her way to beginning a PhD in Hebrew Bible at the University of Toronto. So um, let's go to Cleo on this very unique but somewhat strange and difficult part of the Bible. I like to always open with an introductory question that would get listeners to know who you are uh, and your relationship with the Bible. So could you start by sharing a little bit about your own journey with the, with the Bible in general. If possible, you, you could also share a little bit about like your uh, relationship with strange texts like this. And listeners, we're going to talk about the text, but it's Numbers 5. Okay, so uh, strange texts like Numbers numbers 5. Um, hi, Paul. Thank you for having hi me. <laughs> this is so exciting. Um, okay, um, so... My journey with the Bible um, started pretty late in mm, my life, okay. actually. Um, I grew up in a very secular Jewish household, and while I knew that there was something called the Torah, and I knew that there was a Jewish uh, religious right. document out there somewhere that people were right. reading, it was not part of my Jewish experience. Yeah. And it wasn't until... I think midway through my college experience that I started personally getting interested in learning mm -hmm. Bible mm -hmm. um, more, like with more focus, I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, more intentionally maybe. Yeah, more intentionally. That's definitely a good word. Right. Um, I think like it had come up a few times in my life. Right. Um, I mean, I was in constantly in Jewish spaces, so it's definitely the... You knew of it. I knew of it and like I had read parts of it yeah, and yeah. you know like I had been taught parts of it um but it was not something that like came up for me until later and yeah. so when I was in um I guess the beginning of junior year of college yeah. I started being very very interested in taking my time to learn mm. what the Hebrew Bible was and so, how to read it and how to talk about it yeah. so I um I actually scheduled weekly meetings with the rabbi at the Hillel of oh. my school, and um, I read through the Torah with him, and he basically helped me formulate questions. Wow. And once I started doing that, I was able to see it as like something that I could read on my own. That's I could right. really understand it. Yeah. And then I also learned how important it was to read not alone, like in community. In community, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then I fully committed to it because then I went to go to a seminar or no, a seminary, seminary, a Jewish seminary. Yes, a Jewish seminary. I, yeah. yeah, I went to go study in a Jewish seminary. That was after college. After college. Of yeah. Yeah, I I did um, like a two year study program basically, <laughs> and I spent two years just going in and reading. 
Torah, well, and tonight, like reading the entire, like what we understand now as the Hebrew Bible, and then also reading Talmud, which is like Jewish legal and story texts. Um, So I did that for two years. And then I came here. (laughs) Wow. And you spent another two years. Yes. Digging deep. Deeper. Yeah. Like academically. Academically. Yeah. Yeah. Because like seminary, it's like, it's learning, Mm -hmm. but it's not academic it's like read the text you ask the questions you get challenged and it's uncomfortable but it's just not you you don't have to write papers you don't have to read people's articles you know you're just kind of reading the text and the commentary that comes with it that's right that's right Yeah. yeah And, and and you're moving forward even after Yale, right? To do to do a PhD. Yes. In Bible. <laughs> In Bible. Oh my God! You love this book so much. I know it's crazy. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. Wow! So, Fascinating journey. It seems like uh, there's. A, 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 I can see like the the passion and the commitment, right? All throughout your college years and how you uh, extended that even into your graduate school uh, experience and then like even moving forward into a PhD. Like that's a a long lasting commitment. One more question, Cleo, for people to get to know you a little better, right? Yes. Um, Which is like, like I said, the Bible is a big book. Mm -hmm. So what are your interests? What are some of the things that you are interested in and pursuing when you open the Bible? Mm. Okay, I will say that what I'm most interested right now is in bodily fluids and functions um, that like show up in the Hebrew Bible in a a bunch of different ways. I think when I say that to people, their immediate reaction is like, oh, you're interested in like impurities and (laughs) like like, uh, sacrifice-y kind of things. And the thing is, is I'm actually not. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I know, right? (laughs) I'm interested in like the tears, in like the blood of like people. Wow. Um, I'm interested in like the kind of implicit or like the non-mentioned fluids. So like digestion, like what happens inside your stomach, like that kind of thing. Like I'm interested in the, the sweat and the just like the oozing stickinesses of bodies. Yes. Um, obviously like semen, breast milk, all yeah. of that stuff fall under this, but yeah. there's such a wide, a wide range of what our bodies do yeah. and how our bodies or the bodies of the characters in our text kind of are spilled out across the page. And wow. that's what I am interested in. Wow. That's I'm telling you, this is really powerful. If I can even use <laughs> Thank that expression. You. <laughs> because I don't think about those things at all. <laughs> and most people don't. Most people don't. Like, Well, I think it's really hard. These texts are so old and yeah. they're written so weirdly. Yeah. And we're used to hearing them kind of randomly on like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, morning. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or like Friday night. And like, we never think about like... What did that feel like? Yes. Like, did your hair stand up? Yes. Like, did your nose run? Yes. Like, are your cheeks red? You don't think about that because, yes. like, what you're thinking about is like, oh, I just want this guy to finish talking yeah. so I can eat food. You That's know, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? But there are all these things in there that if we open our eyes, we can see, and they convey meaning, yeah. and they convey you know wisdom for our world, for our lives, for everything. Right? Fantastic. Yes, I think uh, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading your work. 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So today we are talking about numbers five. So I think mm-hmm. this is a good point to segue into the text that we're going to be reading for mm-hmm. today and discussing for today. Yeah. So the story that we're reading is the Sotar ritual, mm-hmm. and it's numbers five eleven mm-hmm. to five thirty one. And what it is doing is walking us through essentially a court case. Mm. Um, so the court case is basically started by a husband who has been overcome with jealousy. Yeah. And he decides that his wife has slept with another man. Yeah. And he then decides to take her through what we now call the Sotar ritual, yeah. which is kind of bringing her to the priest and having her consume um, a concoction, concoction, a potion, yeah. Yeah. Um, some kind of like weird substancy thing. Yeah. And then if she is guilty of cheating yeah. on him, yeah. then we will see the evidence of that in how her body reacts. That's right, yeah. Um, or if she's not, nothing will happen. That's right. And the like end uh, or the results, if she's not guilty, then... She's cleared of guilt, and he doesn't have to worry about anything. Um, But if she is guilty, then he knows that she's cheated on him. That's right, yeah. And when adultery cases happen, it's usually... um, There's usually a witness. And so the way it usually works is that you will be sentenced to death. Yeah. And the only reason this ritual comes up is if you don't have a witness. Oh, my God, And so you can't sentenced to death because you you cannot rely on anybody else's testimony exactly it's wow this is like a a loyalty test exactly more like a loyalty test yes only that this time it's like a husband bringing the partner the female partner to what this is the altar or wherever the testing is going to be done right it's not the other way around it's not the wife bringing the husband right right yeah this is all this is for the husband it's It's like for the husband yeah. yeah She um, does not get a say in this. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how she feels. We don't know what she's done. It's mm-hmm. all about his suspicion yeah. and either confirming or alleviating his suspicion. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so this is what Numbers to 5 is. And it falls within like a list of a bunch of laws, right? Before mm-hmm. it is a bunch of laws. Mm-hmm. After it is a bunch of laws. So this, yes. is, this is one of the laws, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the people of Israel and it's about adultery and it's about like how to test the faithfulness of a partner in a relationship and it's very yeah. difficult it's very difficult this is one of these texts that just like it will break your heart I yeah. think I think yeah. it's a really scary text to read yeah I think it's even it's so difficult that so oh so I mentioned the Talmud earlier right so the Talmud is basically Jewish law books yeah. that include rabbinic stories and experiences and like arguments it's super weird it's one of the weirdest texts maybe ever Um, and it's spread across 42 volumes and it's under six orders and one of those orders or one of those sorry one of those books of the six orders of the 42 is the sota book basically so this it has something to do with this yeah so this 21 verse um story yeah. in the Hebrew Bible has basically an allowed for enough rabbinic argument yeah. to span 
an entire like book like of a section of, yeah. of, of of the Talmud. But yeah. also, if I get it correctly, yeah, yeah. what you're saying here is like the the strangeness of this text. Yeah. Like is even evident in later rabbinic discussions, right? yeah. discussions that the rabbis several centuries after were having about text. And this yeah. text occupies that much space. Yes, I think it's such a it's such a horrifying story. It is, yeah. Um, it brings up so many moral and ethical dilemmas yeah. that, I mean, we read it now and we're like, what is this? Yeah. And they read it then and they're like, wow we have to figure this out like this is a court case like this is legal stuff that we as rabbis have to figure out how we want to like deal with because they're like the judicial body of ancient jewish worlds at least to some extent right and so yeah it's super troubling yes um and basically and we can we'll talk about it more but they basically write circles around this entire story they limit it so much that it's basically impossible for this kind of ritual to ever take place yeah. within their world. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. <laughs> well, uh, m- let's get yeah, one yeah, step yeah. forward into the yeah. text, which is we, we've already started using words like it's strange, it's weird. Yeah, you know, it generated a lot of discussions among the rabbis, and somebody listening may be asking, "What is weird about this text? What is strange about it?" Can you point to some of the the things in the story? Um, that it's strange. Yeah, almost mm. all of it. Almost I'm, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to come up with certain sections. Um, you know, I'm wondering if actually, if you want to read 11 to 15 and then 27 to 31. The law spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, If a man has had intercourse with her, but it is hidden from her husband, so that she is undetected, though she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her since she was not caught in the act. If a spirit of jealousy comes on him, here the him is the husband, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. He is uh, jealous of his wife who has defiled herself. Or if a spirit of jealousy comes on him, and he is jealous of his wife, though she, had, uh, though she has not defiled herself. Then the man shall bring his wife to the priest, and he shall bring the offering required for her, one-tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it, and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity to remembrance." That's what it says, 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, I jumped to the results in 27, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So at this point, the ritual is already done. You yes. Know, blah, blah, blah. Everything yes. has been performed. 27. It says, when he has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has, put on f- and has been unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain, and her womb shall discharge. Her uterus drop, and the woman shall become an execration among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be immune and be able to conceive children. Wow. Okay. Then 29, it says, This is the law in cases of jealousy, 
when a wife, while under her husband's authority, goes astray and defiles herself, or when a spirit of jealousy comes on a man and he is jealous of his wife, then he shall set the woman before the Lord and the priest shall apply this entire law to her. The man shall be free from iniquity, but the woman shall bear her iniquity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. tough. What do I say? Should I say amen or should I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, she's forced to say amen, she amen. She is forced to say amen. I see it. Just yeah. by reading it, I see the strangeness. I see the weirdness. Yeah. I see the emphasis on like the man and patriarchy and the man's freedom and the yeah. woman's, you know, like all of the things against the woman. Yeah, I will just point out, because you're reading a different translation than I am, I think there's some really interesting choices being made Mm -hmm. by, is it the NRSV that you're reading? The NRSV that I'm reading, yeah. Yeah, because I think, um, I think even, I think you said in verse 28, like, she will be able to, like, bear children yeah so here it just says retain seed and like i think i mean they mean the same thing essentially but it's a different kind of the the emphasis that the nrsv is making is a little bit different Mm -hmm. in fact a lot of um i think a lot of the nrsv takes at least in this section takes a little bit of a they take commentary on this hebrew and they impose it into the translation um because when it says like the womb or the uterus um in your translation it actually in hebrew it literally just says the thigh and the belly and so it like that those um the the womb and the uterus those are euphemistic understandings Understandings yeah so it's interesting to see like what like what the nrsv is trying to convey to convey Yeah. yeah But uh, so let's let's start let's start by sort of unpacking um, you know the key points here. So sure. you know some of let's let's start with what causes all of this ritual in the first place, right? right? It's something about unfaithfulness. Yes. And it's about how the man feels. Yes. About the whole thing. My yeah. version uses jealousy, right? Yeah, and so that word for jealousy in Hebrew is kina, okay. which is actually a word that we see quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it in reference to God. We see it in reference to prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically is an overwhelming emotion, usually jealousy, but also zealotry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like ardent feelings of something. That's right. Um, and... What we're seeing here is it's not just kina, it's like ruach kina. Yeah. Ruach translates as spirit. That's right. Um, but oftentimes people will see this as a fit of jealousy or is wrought up in jealousy. Mm-hmm. And th- I think there's a question of like what, like how does the jealousy operate within his body? Right. Also, could you see it not as jealousy, but is he so committed to her that he can't see anything? Like, is he blinded? Yeah by his um maybe toxic devotion to her like there might be other ways that we can parse this out i think jealousy is probably the easiest way to do so yeah yeah wow okay so this man is feeling all these things yes in his body um, there's no witness to the act. There's no witness. witness. Um, yeah, and that, I mean, the, the no witness is what's actually really important because yeah. if there had been a witness, That's right. yeah. then there's actually, we have a full-on law somewhere else mm-hmm. in 
the Tanakh mm -hmm. that says, it basically says if a woman like does adultery with another man, yeah. then both she and the other man are meant to be killed. Yeah. And so for there not to be a witness yeah. and for him only to experience this jealousy yeah. shows us that like it's so it's so unclear. That's There's right. no way to know yeah. if he's just being jealous or if she actually committed whatever the thing yeah. the accusation is. Yeah. Right. So there's a little bit of ambiguity here. No, not a little bit. There's a lot of ambiguity here, right? Because yeah. the only reason why the, the ritual is necessary is because the act is suspected. Yeah. The man is feeling, you know, all the feelings, jealousy, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then there's no witness to yeah, confirm and that. What's interesting is there's this part of the verse, I think, mm -hmm. where it says she keeps it secret. Mm -hmm. And it, and I don't remember what the NRSV says, but yeah. here I have, she keeps secret the fact that she has defiled herself without being forced. Yeah. And I think that's a really important word there. Yeah. Um the word in Hebrew um, is super strange, mm. um, and it can. The rabbis argue about this actually, mm -hmm. um, and it could either be like she was not caught in the act, right. like and and this like not that she was forced, yeah. but that like no one forced their witnessing upon her, oh. or. Or she wasn't raped, as yes. in she wasn't sexually assaulted. And so depending on what you want to do with that word, yeah. it might change how you're thinking about this. That's right. Because like, it is possible that she was being um, like sexually assaulted, yeah. but no one saw, saw her. <laughs> right. Or I think more, um, maybe a little bit, less generously like or she wasn't being raped it was yeah. she decided to have this intercourse That's with this right. other yeah. person the, the you were asking about the nrsv the nrsv says hidden right hidden hidden from my husband so there's some mm. sort of secrecy to it right yeah which which will still go with everything that you've said from there but yeah. so now we have the event well, and it doesn't does it have a little clause about um without being forced or something like that it doesn't have that. A gang says since she was not caught in the act. Oh, okay. So that that is a choice. NRSV decided yes. to take this word and read it that way. Yeah. That's not like the Hebrew itself doesn't say that. Right. Um, that's super interesting. They're reading with I think it's Ibn Ezra who who reads it that okay. way. Yeah, and Ibn Ezra is one of the rabbis who wrote a lot of commentaries so. yes yeah. and my uh translation that says without her being forced yeah. that's a rashi translation oh, okay. and see. he's another commentator yes. they go back and forth throughout this entire yeah. um section of text yeah they do not agree with each other it, it is it is very very <laughs> interesting yeah now that you're pointing things out it's very very interesting okay yeah so we have all of these things going on this is the act this is how the man is feeling mm -hmm. this is you know all the conditions around that and then the work of the priest comes in Yes. Well, and actually, the work of the priest comes in quite, way later, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it it's so unclear um, how much time has to take place between these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the basically the husband brings her to a priest. Yeah. And is like, she's a sota, or like yeah. she like she, uh, she probably I I I have suspected her of cheating against me. Yeah. 
Um, and so then the priest has a bunch of different things um, that he can do. And one of the things, oh, and one of the things that the husband needs to do in order to bring his wife before a priest for a sotai ritual is um, a jealousy offering has to be prepared. Yeah, that's what was referenced in the later yes. part. Yeah. So that's super interesting as well because usually when you do an offering, you prepare it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that he's like getting this offering Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like he's made it for her Mm -hmm. um which is like very um strange um and then also the like no oil being poured on it no frankincense all like this is another place where the rabbis kind of are like (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, supposed to be a dangerous concoction right (laughs) yeah well well we haven't even got to the concoction yet yeah yeah okay so actually that's an important thing to note the the sacrifice is separate from what she has to ingest that's right yeah the 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 offering i think is about like it's supposed to it's like part of absolving guilt it's just like what you do right um but what the priest does after the offering has been introduced, mm-hmm. the priest creates a concoction. Mm. And that's um, that's later. Um, but that um, we didn't read those things specifically, like how he creates it. Right. But basically what he does is he takes what they call holy water, mm-hmm. um, sacred water, mm-hmm. and he adds dust Mm -hmm. to it to make it bitter but also i mean if you think about it um like you you have water Mm -hmm. that's holy and then you have dust and somehow that's supposed to make the water bitter which is kind of weird yeah um and what happens later is like what he adds to it is um there's i think a scroll okay um and he adds, he basically takes the, the I think what they have understood, and I don't know if it's true. Right. I think it's like literally the story of uh-huh. the Sota. Like he takes this ritual, mm-hmm. like how it works. He has it in writing on a little piece of like papyrus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he dissolves it wow. in the mixture. Yeah. And then that's what she drinks. Wow. And the thing is, is like part of that ritual it's supposed to, I think, have the name of God in it. So it should have yod Vavhe in it. And this mixture of dust and water and words are what she ingests. Yeah, into her body. Into her body. That's the concoction. That's, That's the... the concoction. Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the later half of the thing, right? So, sure. uh, you know, this is what we are suspecting of the lady, mm-hmm. uh, the, the wife. This is what the, the mixture is supposed to be. This is what the priest is supposed to do. And then the effect of it, it actually. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about the effect, like towards yeah. the end, right? So she's, she's supposed to drink this thing. Yes. <laughs> it's, that's interesting. It's really, it's so crazy. And I do want to say, um, like, this is supposed to be done in public. Oh, it's um, public too. Yeah, it's not so, like a hidden yeah. altar somewhere or a shrine somewhere. No, no, no. It's public. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and actually, so it's it's associated with like the tabernacle or the temple. So it's like it's from this kind of world of like when we had the temple in Jerusalem. Like yeah. this is what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, and the rabbis have this whole thing about it, and I don't really understand all of it because mm-hmm. there's all these like south, north, whatever yeah. things. But I'm pretty sure this is supposed to take place like within the confines of the temple yeah. by um 
like in a very public area. So there are people around, there are other people who have like other sacrifices they want to offer. There are people who are doing random things. Um, I think this is kind of just supposed to be in front of everyone. Like there is an altar that the sacrifice has to be, has to be taken up on, but that's, in the middle of a courtyard <laughs> and that's, that's like that sounds like public uh sentencing it's public sentencing and also we didn't read it but there's a, a little line here where like the priest is supposed to like uncover her uh-huh. and and that's what i mean about like where women are exposed bodily yeah. um like this is also a moment where like it's he might just like take a hat off her head or he might unbraid her hair for her yeah. or he might take off her shirt. Yeah. Like we don't know how exposed she needed to oh be. My God. But at the very least, the priest like changes something that uh, is yeah. keeping her like hidden in some Clothed, way. Yeah. Clothed. Maybe even nakedness. Ma- yeah. Nakedness. Yeah. And the rabbis also go like circles around of this. Course, I would that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, you know, moving forward, there will yeah. be. So there are two things that is expected here, yes. right? If she's guilty, then one thing is supposed to happen. And if, she, if she's not, then another thing is supposed to happen. Yes. And if she's guilty, it's really, like, it's really deep, right? It says, yeah. my, my version, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when, when the water enters her, right? Uh, and cause bitter pain, then her womb shall discharge, and her uterus drop, and the woman shall become an execration among her people. What does your version say? So my version says... um, um, The 27, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once he has made her drink the water, Mm -hmm. if she has defiled herself by breaking faith with her husband, the spell-inducing water shall enter into her to bring on bitterness, Mm -hmm. so that her belly shall distend and her thighs shall sag, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what do you think? Wild punishment. It's, I mean, it's wild. It's like terrifying. It's also... So what's interesting here is like, also, we don't know how much of her is exposed. Yeah. If she's like in her regular skirts and it's just her hair that's unbraided, like, what would you see of this? That's you right. don't know. You don't, yeah. Um, but if she has been stripped to a certain extent, it's yeah. possible that you would very much see this happening. Yeah. Something that should be said also, I mean, the JPS does this with the, like, um, spell-inducing waters, yeah. is there is this kind of understanding that this is, like, a pretty miraculous thing. M- miracle yeah. not in a good way. Like, miracle in a bad way. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> Supernatural. You know, sort of divine-backed act. Yeah. And I think something that... I, I think the way that I'm understanding it is... Uh-huh. Because there is so little that can be known, mm-hmm. and because the woman hasn't confessed at this point, yeah. the husband is jealous but not knowing, not sure, yeah. there's no witness. The only witness is God, yeah. basically, and she ingests God's name when she takes in the potion. Yeah. And so it's a question of, can her body withstand like divinity in it? If she has defiled herself, then it can't. It has to, like, do this crazy, horrible, scary thing. But if she can, then she's just honestly blessed, right? Like, she's taken then God's name and is fine. Um, And so in this moment, it's like, we don't know. The woman's not going to tell us. 
we have to rely on God. Yeah. Um, which is also part of what makes it such a strange ritual because usually these court cases are things that can be determined yeah. by humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is kind of like in the hands of a divine figure. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, <laughs> a lot of things can be said here. You yeah, know, yeah. This is really interesting. But one one thing that I want to uh, ask you, so that you draw attention to is, mm. The, just the focus on the woman, right? This, yeah. this is this is completely like male biased, right? This is like yeah, yeah. putting all the pressure on the woman in this case. What do you think about the gender relationship and the gender dynamics in the in the in the whole ritual? Um, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> pretty messed up. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel like. Like, on one hand, you can kind of excuse it and, like, this is an ancient text. Women during this time are seen as property yeah. of their husbands and their fathers and yeah. their sons. They don't get autonomy. Yeah. And so when we think about women in, like, in these kind of ownership relationships, mm -hmm. the, like, the idea that she might have stepped outside of that relationship is really scary to a, a, a society that has come to understand women to only be organized in one way. Yeah. And so like, I think, I think in like that way you can kind of like sort of understand where it's coming from. But at the same time, it's so it's like what husband would willingly like torture their wife like this, like publicly too publicly. Like there's just so many layers of like, evilness yeah, to this yeah. also like what kind of priest allows like his constituents to do something like this yes. who allows a woman to be exposed in this way yeah. um i think also something to be said is like that that thing of like she shall be a curse to her people there yeah. i think there's a whole question of because this is so in public yeah. Like, there are women who are seeing this happen as well, yeah. and they're probably watching this woman be dragged around and shamed yeah. Yeah. and exposed and forced to ingest something, yeah. and they're basically being warned. Yeah. They're saying, like, if you do something we don't like, we're going to do this to you, to you too. Yeah. 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 It's incredibly scary. It's a very <laughs> scary thing. I'm thinking here about... Um, so, so, what, so what do we learn from this, right? Because... How do we read? It's very easy to read yeah. this and say, oh, yeah, this is a warning to all unfaithfulness, right? Those of you who are unfaithful in marriages and in relationships, this is what is going to happen to you. Like, you know, when divinity sets in and judges you, your womb is going to be whatever, expelled and, you know, all yeah. these weird things. And this is like a dire warning to that. But I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm of like five different minds about this okay tell me all about it <laughs> um okay i think that like one way you can read this mm -hmm. which is the initial way that i read this mm -hmm. to try and make it like to try and make it sit with me better yeah. was that the potion itself is relatively innocuous mm -hmm. it's water dust and like a little bit of ink yeah. so it's like not actually going to kill you yeah. um 
the question is, do you believe that God has some kind of like power yeah. in that drink? Yeah. Um, so in like when I was first reading the story, my initial thought is like, oh, this is protective. The yeah. priest can see how abusive her husband is. Yes. He gives her a potion that will do nothing to her and that will kind of clear the air between them. Yeah. I think that's a really, really generous read. Yeah. And I don't know if I like it. <laughs> um, another way that people square this away is they're like, this was during like the time of the temple. We don't have the temple anymore. Yes. We don't do things like this anymore. So it's not applicable. Also, adultery was so rampant. Yeah. It couldn't have been done. It couldn't have been done. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like there's just like so many, there's so many ways you can kind of just like wave this off and be I like, no whatever about it. Um, I think I have a friend who has a very new read okay. that potentially like if, okay. So there's this whole thing about like, she's, um, in the beginning of the, of the verse okay, or yeah. in, in the beginning of the section, yeah. it says that, um, she has like defiled herself. Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea that potentially she's like, walking around like looking different talking different yeah. and potentially that's like not actually a problem for her husband like maybe he likes that she's like flirting with people or yeah. that she's wearing lipstick or her she has like <laughs> her chest out like who knows yeah. it's possible that he might have to deal with other people telling him like your wife's a slut like your wife slept with somebody like yeah like dude like do something about it yeah. and this is like his way of like protecting her yeah. like to kind of be like you think she cheated on me yeah. i don't think so but i'll show you yeah. like i'll show you that she I'll did show you even publicly right I'll yeah show you that she didn't do it yeah. yeah so i mean in some ways i think that works in other ways it's like such a like a heinous act to yeah. force on someone even if she's consented to even, it is yeah. just seems i don't know if there's like a really good way to like make it yeah can, can comfy you make, yeah can you make it good can you make a text like this good? <laughs> i mean i think the other way is like this shows how like scary it can be to be in a relationship and how scary it can be to be with a man who doesn't care about you yeah. i think that like something that we see actually with um so I don't know if you know this about like Jewish marriages or like very religious Jewish marriages. Mm -hmm. Like the only way you can get a divorce is if you get something called a get, mm -hmm. um, which sounds funny. You get a get, but yeah. that's what they call it. Um, <laughs> and it's basically like a document that says like, I divorce you, okay. but you need the man to do it. Like the woman can't make a get happen. Okay. Like she needs her husband to get a get. Okay. Um, and so oftentimes, if men have trapped women in abusive relationships yeah. and they won't give her a get, people will shame him publicly oh. to in, like induce him, to make him yes. divorce her. Um, so potentially, this is like one of these moments where like this guy has shown his cards. That's like right, yeah. He is horrible and abusive and yeah. jealous, yeah. and he has made that very clear to the That's entire right. community. Yeah. And so, like, now, like, maybe they can shame him yeah. into divorcing her so she can be free of that. Potentially, if she has cheated on him, yeah. she can get out of that. Yeah. And then because he's shown how gross he is, no one's going to want to marry him no gonna, yeah. once she's gone, right? Yeah. And then he's kind of like, 
like he's kind of given her a social death, but this gives him a social death as well. And so I think there's just, there's so many consequences. This is a pretty disgusting ritual, like overall. And I think maybe like no one escapes it cleanly. And maybe that's part of the point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, like divorce practices across the world is really interesting and I'm sure somebody has done some work on it but like you know the the, the version that you just shared is very interesting and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure even if I look into African history as an African I'm, I'm sure I'm going to see like different layers and versions of like you know divorce practices and how yeah. difficult it, it can be especially for the women um, yeah well and it's also like if a man divorces often it's totally fine for him to get married again yeah. but if a woman is divorced like, yeah like, even the new testament right like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, the new testament has all these like weird rules about divorce and all the time the pressure is on the woman yeah i do want to say mm-hmm. um and i don't really know if this helps at all mm-hmm. um but i say do it. think it's interesting yeah. um i do think there is like this interesting space here to talk about um like pregnancy and yeah. like what what we know or don't know about yes. women's bodies um and like how to like ensure or disrupt pregnancies like i think there is like this interesting space here where like if this ritual is abortive, then perhaps the priests are aware of medicinal practices that could help a woman like get an abortion if she needs it. That's right. So that's yeah. an interesting thing. That is. The only issue is if this is beyond abortive, like if it's like destructive, like if her entire like <laughs> reproductive <laughs> system comes like comes out, then maybe that's not really what we yeah. want. And you know, again, like the way the NRSV puts it, it sounds like this it piece of her inner self that comes out right yeah yeah so it's, it's not just like scary. abortive in terms of like just terminating the pregnancy if she is indeed pregnant yeah. but it is also like you know your uh, reproductive system is going to be like completely destroyed and removed from your body because you did yeah. this very terrible unfaithful thing yeah which is actually i think like adds another layer to like the like social death that she would experience. Not only is she like exposed to the entire community, not only is her husband suspecting her of adultery, but also like the thing that in the society, which makes her valuable, which is her ability to reproduce is taken away from her. So she's kind of stripped of like everything. And so even if there's no like penalty for death, it's kind of, yeah. does it anyway that's right yeah yeah i do i don't know there for me there there is something here about like the kind of like what this potion is and what it does for her body also yeah. the fact that um like if she is innocent it's supposed to help her retain seed like it's that's supposed right. to help her um become pregnant and so like that's also interesting to me of like maybe it's a fertility potion and so then it's like a fertility potion only to the extent that it um benefits the husband right like there's some kind of layer there some i guess something supernatural but like something that kind of makes it a like a good thing in the body as like maybe the only good thing if she wants to have children Yes. Um, I, yeah. there's a lot of things that can be said in this text <laughs> so, much. so many things yeah I'm, yeah I'm just fascinated by it. okay so let's let's try and wrap it up here okay by talking about um, you know just returning to you mm. as a as a thinker as a scholar okay and, and ask about some of your influences like I you, you gave us so many different ways to read this text <laughs> and I, I never thought about any of them because for me like this is 
too weird, too strange. Yeah. Um, but you know, let's return to you and ask again. What are some of your influences? Who who are who are who are the the people that you go to? Like, what sort of books do you read? Websites mm. and blogs. The, your mentors. You talked about your rabbi at the mm. beginning of your introduction, but I think that's helpful for for listeners to know, so that the, you know we all can rely on each other and share resources. Definitely. Uh, so, what do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think probably rabbis are really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the two rabbis that have helped me the most have been like Rabbi Jeremy, who I, I talked to in college, and yeah. then um, um, Rabbi Jason, who's here at Yale. Okay. But I also have found, um, I mean, there's so much like feminist discussion right. on this text. Yes. Um, I think like reading through different commentaries has always been helpful different to commentaries, me. Yeah. yeah. So I mean like I brought here like the Jewish women's commentary. Yeah. There's also um, there's like a, a modern commentary that I was reading yesterday. Okay. Um, and there's like a social justice commentary I can bring it to you. Actually, you sure, might like I'll it. Be, yeah, I'll yeah. Be interesting. I'm gonna take a picture of those commentaries sitting right here. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like the Jewish Study Bible that just, I have. Also, it's it's this like, what it does is just it just has all of the discussions kind of like there for you, so you can right. look you just, at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, like academic wise, I mean, I think recently Rhiannon Graybill has been an incredibly inspirational figure in my academic life um she does a lot of very interesting like feminist work on biblical texts that i just am in love with um and talking to her makes it even better because she's just incredible yeah um but yeah honestly i feel like talking to jewish women talking to queer jewish people talking to people in general like queer people non-jewish people anyone yeah. about like their experiences with texts like these is really really helpful i mean there's another story um i think it's is it judges 19 judges 19 yeah that, that one yeah like i'm it, gonna do an episode on that actually. okay well you should call me <laughs> I'm gonna call you. you should call me i have a lot to say about that but that is such a scary text scary. and like how do you deal with it? Yes. Like, how can you deal with something like? Th- how can you deal with something like so tight? It's yeah. it's so unbelievable, or it's like totally believable, but it's like it's so hard to grapple it with. It is very hard. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the text of terror. Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's Phyllis Tribble text of terror. That work, yeah. Yeah, and Rhiannon Grable has the text after terror. Yeah, um, and yeah, like these are like there are so many people who write about these texts. I mean, we have like with with Genesis 22, the binding of Isaac, which is also a very like ethical dilemma E kind of text. Like there are so many of these very specific and scary texts that like should jump out at you and then ask you to ask questions, you know? And I think the best thing you can do is just ask other people to read it with you and read ask questions with you. with you. That's right, yeah. 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 There's no other... You can't sit with it alone. You, yeah, you it's too scary to sit with it alone. And I think, 
like the best thing you can do is get other people's like perspectives on it True. and just like widen the the scope of yes. what you can imagine about it yes yes yeah. a lot of fun things here mm-hmm. um so what advice would you give to listeners and people who are listening I, most of them may not have heard a text being read this way yeah uh, miss, most of them may not have even like heard anybody say oh this is strange this is weird i'm like okay, well, <laughs> you know beyond that um We've learned a lot from your own life and yeah. the way you think about text and, you know, some of your influences and so on and so forth. But, like, what advice would you give to anybody who likes the Bible, loves the Bible, studies, reads it, but will never go to seminary, would, yeah. would never be exposed to any, like, technical work at any level at all, but yeah. maybe listening to this podcast? What general advice would you give to people like that? Well, first I would say the fact that you're willing to pick up the text at all, I think is really important. I don't think that you need to go to a seminary or to a school to be able to like work with the text, generate thoughtful insight into Uh these texts. Like Mm -hmm. these are texts for people. It's not for academics. We make it academic, but these are for, these texts are for people, all people. Um, I think probably, the best way to engage with them, like I said, is just not to do it alone, yeah. is to open these pages, look at these verses, maybe like get another translation, maybe open up like someone's commentary on it, maybe have a list of questions that you're bringing to it, yeah. and just don't let the text be stagnant in front That's of you. Right. Yeah. This is like this is a text that has lived for 2000 years and will live onwards in you and in your communities and other people around you Mm -hmm. and people you don't even know. Um, and the best thing you can do, I think is to never close a conversation, like never shut the door on a way to think about Uh these texts. Uh Um, and anyone can do it. Everyone can do it. Yeah. I think it's a brave thing to do. That's right. But it's not something that like you need special skill sets or anything to do. <laughs> Expensive, fancy <laughs> schools. Yeah. <laughs> and like I feel like like people don't realize how much they have to say until they're asked. Yes. Like there are so many people who I know who like I tell them like this is what I study. And then we end up having like an hour long conversation about something that I'm learning and they're like, what? And then we pull up the, like we pull up the online Torah and we talk about it. And it's just like, these are texts that are supposed to generate conversation. Conversation, They're supposed to be scary and weird. And we should let that scary and weirdness guide us to like have more conversations. Amazing. Yeah, thank you very much, Cleo, for coming and sharing your life and your pressing and your thinking and your insights and every, like, you know, all the wisdom that you shared with us today. Thank uh, you for having me. <laughs> this is, like, my greatest joy. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is great. And, you know, I, I, I'm very confident that a lot of the listeners learned a lot from you because I did. Mm. I did learn a lot from you. So thank you for Yay. coming by on the podcast. Thank you for having me and have me for... Um, Genesis, ju- uh, Judges 19? Judges 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, awesome. Yes, All right. So, folks, you. yeah, we're going to see you in another podcast. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Bye. Bye. <laughs>